Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. Well, friends, here we are. How are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic today on about every possible level. And I, I just want to start by saying thank you. Uh, thank you for journeying with me for the past four years through the highs and lows of my obsession with the University of Georgia football. I feel like we've been through this together in a lot of ways. And I feel like, hey, this is a win for you too. Just, just receive it, experience it. Now you know what it feels like to be a national champion. Let's go Georgia Bulldogs. But here, I had a lot of ideas. I thought about hanging a Georgia banner up here and like getting, I, I don't know, it felt a little idolatrous, so I didn't. But um, here's what I did realize. On Monday night, I got more text messages, I got more likes and comments on my social media posts than literally anything else in the history of my life, including my wedding day, my anniversary, the birth of my children, uh, every major life transition. And so I, I think it's evidence to me that my priorities are exactly where they need to be. Or maybe, that's right, or maybe that I'm dealing with a little bit of idolatry. I'm not sure which it is, but man, I am on uh, cloud nine right now. And let's just be honest, America did not want to see Alabama win another championship. Even if you weren't a Georgia Bulldog fan, everyone's sick of Nick Saban winning, you know, whatever, every single year. So anyways, I'm excited to dive into God's word with you guys today and on this Martin Luther King weekend, as we remember and celebrate uh, just such an incredible man in the history of our nation who stood for, for civil rights and the ending of segregation in America and who fought for freedom on every level for African Americans, what struck me today as we're preparing week two, heading into week two of the reset, this series that we're doing to kick off the year, is how fitting it is that today we're talking about the practice of freedom. The practice of freedom, and not just, uh, we're not talking political freedom or external freedoms, but internal, the internal experience of freedom. Oftentimes, the reality of freedom from ourselves. <laughs> freedom from the things that hold us back, and if you missed last week, I, I wanna draw your attention to this. We have these uh, in the, uh, in the lobby and on your way in and out of the, the room here today, but we're in a season of 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I wanna encourage you, if you missed last week, if you haven't heard about this, it's not too late, jump in now, and for you, it's now 14 days of fasting and prayer, or you can just add a week on the end. But we give you some different ways that you can participate in this, and, and I really believe there is no better way for you to kick off the year than to put God first, than to put God first in your life, in your time, in your heart, to set apart the beginning of the year to say, Lord, I want this year to be different and I want you to help me. I want you to help me change. And this whole series, The Reset, we're looking at different practices that I believe can transform your life. Last week, we looked at the, the pathway to personal transformation, change. How do people change? <laughs> change is hard, it's not easy. But today we're gonna to look at the practice of freedom. The practice of freedom. And, and what I wanna say about this is oftentimes we think about freedom in terms of a moment, an instant. 
sort of a, a silver bullet fix. Suddenly, I'm free. I, it's over. Whatever I was dealing with is gone. And the reality is, it doesn't work like that. Come on, somebody. Freedom takes practice. It takes a lifetime. It takes learning new rhythm. It takes learning new ways of thinking and living and being. And deep down, freedom, especially spiritual freedom, personal freedom, is something that we all want. We all want freedom from things like anxiety, fear, self-destructive behavior. We want freedom from depression. That's why Dave Ramsey made a lot of money on financial freedom, right? Baby steps. We've all been there. We've done that. We, we literally want freedom from our bad habits, freedom from the things in our lives that are holding us back from who we're made to be, that are holding us back, that are keeping us in patterns, that are keeping us in this rat race. And friends, we're all a little crazy. We are. We're all a little bit crazy. We're all a little insane because the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again, but expecting different results. We're stuck in some areas that keep producing the same results, and we want to break free. Here's the good news. Here's our inheritance in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.17, the, the scripture will be on the side screens. It says it like this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord is in here today. He's in you today. If you put your faith in Christ, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. So you have an inheritance of freedom that is available to you. Galatians 5.1, listen to this verse. Amazing verse. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery or bondage or captivity. Friends, you do not have to repeat the mistakes of your past. Friends, you do not have to repeat the generational sins of your family. You do not have to live a life that is marked by oppression and defeat, but by victory and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's available to you. There is a life of victory, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit available to you. There are generational things in your life, in your family, that God says, if you'll walk with me, we're going to change generations of your family together. Your kids aren't going to have to pick up the same things that you picked up. Your kids aren't going to have to make the same mistakes that you made. And so to unpack this idea of freedom, to really dive into this, we're going to look at a few chapters in Romans, not the whole chapters, but big ideas from these chapters. And um, if you have a Bible, it's going to be Romans 6 through 8. And I, just a side note right here, um, bring a physical Bible to church. Men, this one's for you. Bring a journal. It's okay. I promise you, you're not giving up your man card. It's all right. Bring a journal. You will remember more if you write it down. And I know we can take notes on our iPhones and we can read the Bible on our iPhones, but man, buy a real Bible, bring it to church, bring a journal, and just, just start to take notes of what the Lord is speaking to you in this series, in this year. Begin to write down some of the things that, that stick for you and that you want to put into practice, but it will help you process it more. So let's become a church that like brings our Bibles and brings some notepads with us because when we unpack the Word of God, it's an opportunity for you right here, not just to listen, 
Not, not just to hear some words that I'm saying, but to, to think, to engage your heart, to think about how it can apply to your life, to write things down. So I want to encourage you to do that in the days ahead. But we're going to look at freedom and specifically um, three different ideas around freedom. Number one, the position of freedom. Number two, the fight for freedom. And number three, we're going to look at a plan for freedom. How do we apply this to our lives? How do we actually practice and walk in freedom? What does this look like for us? So the position of freedom, the fight for freedom, and the plan for freedom. Number one, the position of freedom. And here's what I want to say about this. We must receive the position of freedom before we can practice the lifestyle of freedom. Let me say that one more time, okay? Freedom is a position before it becomes a practice in your life, before it becomes a lifestyle. Now question, have you ever had your position in life impacted by the decisions of somebody else? Has your position in life ever been impacted by somebody else's life or decisions? Give you an example. Maybe this happened to you. Uh, The line at Costco. (laughs) You know where I'm going. If you know, you know. Uh, It's this crazy moment. Am I? It's a little stressful, right? Everybody's kind of filing out of the aisles, and there's this mass of hundreds of people that are kind of stalking like vultures, you know, scoping it out, which line's going to go the quickest, which person has the least amount of items in their cart. You're kind of patrolling, and then at some point you commit, right? At some point, whether it's good or bad, you make a commitment to a certain line. And I'll give Costco props. They do a good job at, at moving us through like a herd, don't they? They're pretty amazing at that. But at some point, you commit, for better or worse. And I remember on any just like any normal Saturday, super busy, tons of people kind of patrolling, figuring out which line they're going to get in. And I, I ended up committing, making a decision. I, and you know, it, it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear when you're in that moment, when you move towards a checkout line that, hey, I'm in this line now. And, and I'll never forget this really sweet, kind looking elderly lady. She, she kind of pulled up her cart next to me and she looked at me and smiled And then she cut straight in front of me. And I'm like, wait a second. You you just broke one of the foundational rules that we all learned in kindergarten. Don't cut in line. That's like a foundational rule, right? But what am I gonna do? I'm a middle-aged man. You can't, I'm not gonna say, ma'am, get get to the back of the line, get behind me. Excuse me, no cutting in line. You know, she probably goes to this church for all I know. She's probably thinking, oh, it's just the pastor. He knows the last shall be first. I'll just cut in front of him. (laughs) I just sat there. I was like, oh, okay, here we go. I'll be a little bit later today. But my position was impacted by her decision. (laughs) Maybe you've been there. I don't know. But on a positive note, I'll never forget one time. Actually, the only time this has ever happened for me. I was a grad student. I was in seminary in Kentucky. And um, I got invited uh, by the owner, okay, there, there was this amazing horse racing facility in Lexington, Kentucky called Keeneland. It's not Churchill Downs where they run the Kentucky Derby, but it's, it's the, nest, the next best thing. It's this historic, amazing horse racing track. And they have massive races there throughout the year. And literally, people like the sheiks of Dubai and royalty and dignitaries from all over fly into little old Lexington, Kentucky and attend these horse races, 
and you've got celebrities, hot, I mean, just hotty toddy. It is next level. And at that time in our church, one of the owners, he, he owned a ton of horses that were racing in different races all throughout the year. He called me on a Saturday. He said, hey, Jonathan, what are you, uh, what are you doing today? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I got a few plans, but whatever you're about to ask me to do, I'm gonna say yes to because it's probably gonna be awesome. He goes, hey, how would you and your wife, I can't make it to the races today, how would you all like to, um, to use my owner's box? So all, all the owners of the horses had special access to this whole area, this owner's section, right, where they all had individual boxes and seats. Now, you can't buy tickets to get into an owner's box, you can't, you know, you can't work for it. You can't get there with anything of your own strength. You have to be invited in. And he gave me a lanyard. I got ushered to the best parking in the whole place. Literally from the moment we walked in, we were waited on hand and foot. Access to everything you can imagine. All the food, all the good stuff. It was incredible. I was treated like an owner for a day. His position, right? The only, the only way you get an owner's box is by your position in the company. And it's the same way in the NFL or the NBA or wherever. Only the owners and whoever their friends are or family get to go in the owner's box. My position that day was affected by his position as an owner. And I was invited into the benefits of his position. I got to act like the owner for the day without any of the stress of being an owner. It was fantastic. Here's the thing you have to understand about freedom. The first thing you have to understand about freedom is that Jesus has given you a new position. As a free act of grace, he's invited you into everything that he has. His life now counts for yours. Romans 8, verse 1, one of the most famous and powerful and life-changing verses in the entire Bible. It says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What? None. Zero. All gone. No condemnation for those who are in Christ. None. You get all the privileges of Christ. You're in the owner's box, and you are not the owner. He is but he's given you access to everything that is his, which is his righteousness, his perfection. Everything that belongs to Christ is now yours. He's changed your position. Now, in order to feel the weight, the weight of Romans 8.1, you gotta go back a few verses into Romans 7 and see where Paul is coming from because he unpacks this right before he gets to this no condemnation line and he talks about his own struggle. And here's what he says. I'm going to clear this and start over. Maybe not. Here's what he says. And you can see it. So I find it to be a law. This is a rule, something that happens in my life. I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, when I want to do the right thing, when I have a desire in my life to do what's right, guess what? Evil lies close at hand. Even when I want to do the right thing, evil lies close in hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, in my soul. The deepest, truest part of me, I delight in God's way. I delight in God's law. But I see in my body another law waging war. I'm not totally free. He goes on to the next one. He says, this is waging war against the law of my mind and making me, here's the word, captive 
making me a captive. I'm in bondage. I'm in chains to the law of sin that dwells in my members. He says, wretched man that I am. Wretched man that I am. Paul is very openly and honestly talking about a struggle he has. Right before he gets to this whole thing about there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, he's like, but man, I feel like a captive. I'm doing a lot of things I don't wanna do. There's a war inside of me. And David says it like this, King David in the Psalms, he says, all of us were born into this thing called sin. From the very beginning, it was passed on to us by Adam and Eve, from the very beginning, there was brokenness that entered into the human race, and there's this reality we're going to look at when it comes to freedom. I've got a master lock right here, because the issue of freedom is this. Positionally, you're born into a place of sin. Positionally, you have a spiritual master known as sin and death. You have this reality that we all go through, and it's something that we are chained to, that we can't get out of on our own. We have different idols. We have different areas of captivity in our life, just like Paul is talking about. We're captive. There's a war inside of us, and we're born into this reality, and we can't break free from it on our own. We have different things. See, sin comes in and, and God designed us. He made you for freedom. He made you to put God first. You're an image bearer of God. That means you're made in God's image. Pause. Think about that. You are made in the image of God. So he says there are certain ways that you're gonna thrive and flourish and live as a human. But it begins with putting Christ, putting Jesus, putting God first in every area of your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sin came along and took hold of our hearts and our desires and took all the good gifts that God gave us and turned them into idols. And now suddenly the good things of life have become ultimate things, things that we have valued and treasured above God. And when we value anything above God, what ends up happening is we become captive to it. Money is amoral, but when greed takes hold of our heart and the love of money and the love of possession takes hold of us, we become a slave to money. We work incessantly for more money and for more power and for more influence. We can't shut it off. We're checking text messages at all hours, checking emails. We can't stop working. We can't be present with our families. Suddenly our careers and this whole idea of building our own kingdom has got us bound and we can't stop. Things like coveting, right? Talks about covetousness, this idea of, man, the grass is greener on the other side. I just want what they have. I want his wife or her husband or that house or that car or that family or that career or that vacation or whatever it is. And Instagram just becomes this scrolling wheel of, oh, my life is miserable. Everyone's happy but me, right? And we begin to covet and it keeps us in bondage and suddenly the good gifts that we have, the beautiful family that we have, we're not satisfied with. We're not content. We're in bondage to a fantasy that's not real. You get into all these different areas, right? It can be uh, different addictions, self-hatred, anxiety, depression. Um, it could be food. Food can keep us in bondage. Drink can keep us in bondage. Our self-image, friends, 
unforgiveness and bitterness. Somebody hurts you, a family member, a coworker, somebody betrayed you, turned their back on you, and you have not yet forgiven them. Friends, you're chained to that. It's affecting your life right now. And so Paul says, he goes, look, there's a war. I'm captive to a whole bunch of stuff that I wish I wasn't. There's some idols that I put above God in my life. There's some habits in my life I wish I could break. And, and, he, and he asked this amazing question. He goes into this incredible, incredible question in the very next verse. I'm gonna set this here and we'll come back to it in just a second. The very next verse, Paul says this. He says here, wretched man that I am. There's this captivity, this war that I'm going through. And he says this, next line, who will set me free? I'm stuck. I can't get out. These things are, are chaining me to a life of misery. And I can't stop. Who will set me free from this body of death? And he finishes it, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen, somebody. That's the gospel, right? He goes, look, I can't do this. I am stuck. I am in chain. I have, I have masters over me and my life that for some reason I keep listening to even though I don't want to listen to them. I don't want to obey them. I don't want to go that way. And here's the truth of the gospel. Jesus arrives with this key, a key of forgiveness, of grace, of mercy, that is accessed by faith. And suddenly, he gives you a new position. You're free. Suddenly, this key unlocks the bondage in your life. Suddenly, this key, this master lock, is now attached to something completely different, right? A new master, a new Lord, who's given you a new position. And suddenly, this reality, again, is not something that you can break on your own. This is a gift from God. And this relationship with Jesus brings freedom. It brings patience, happiness, joy, identity, purpose, abundance, love, true unconditional love. It produces generosity and purity and kindness and peace and contentment and strength for the journey ahead. He, he changes your position. And, and amazingly, I, I want to read some verses to you on this because even though this feels like, wait, chains are negative, well, I don't want to be in bondage. No, no, no. There's a bondage that leads to freedom, friends. There's a bondage to Christ that actually produces freedom in your life. Here's how it works. Here's what it says. It goes on. Don't get distracted by this. It's an epic illustration. I know. Here we go. It goes on. Here's what it says. He's given you a new position, the position of freedom. It says this in Ephesians 2, verse 4. God is so rich in mercy... He loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. Only by grace. For he raised us up along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your doing. It's a gift of God. You have a new position now positionally before God, you're not bound to this. Now you are a bondservant. You're bound to Christ. He's literally seated you with Christ. He's given you a new position. Not a position of captivity, but a position of freedom. He's given you not a position of death, but a position of life. No longer are you a spiritual orphan, but you've been adopted into the family of God. 
From condemned to forgiven, no longer defined by our sin, but defined by the perfect life of our Savior, Jesus, a position of inheritance. Everything that belongs to Christ now belongs to you and to me. And here's the beautiful thing. Here's why I chose to use a chain for this. Friends, Romans 8, 31 to 39. Watch these verses on the screen. Don't miss this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. We are attached forever to Christ by the love of God. And friends, he's given us a position of freedom. If you put your faith in him, if this faith is genuinely rooted in your heart, you have a new position. Here's the issue. Here's the reality. Paul says, I see within me a war. I know who I am, who I want to be. I know that I'm new in Christ. I know that I'm a new creation in him. But there's a war inside of me. We're still fighting the same old battles, aren't we? And friends, here's what the Christian life looks like. At the end of the day, this is what you and I are facing, not just this year, not just last year, but every year of our life. This reality that, man, positionally, I'm a new creation. Positionally, I'm bound by Christ. He loves me. Nothing can separate me from that love. But uh, practically, practically, I'm really struggling with forgiving that person who wronged me, who stole from me, who hurt me. Positionally, I, I'm, I am seated with Christ in the heavenly places, but practically, I gotta show up to work on Monday morning and deal with that same person. I don't feel like I'm seated in heaven. I feel like I'm seated in cubicle 9A, and it's horrible over here, right? Positionally, we have, we have absolute freedom, but practically, there are issues in our lives things in our lives that continue pulling us back, holding us back, whether it is all the desires for all the things on here that have taken the place of God in our lives. And so we feel in us this tug of war, this new position in Christ, this forgiveness that is not letting us go, this love that is for us, this reality of grace that was a free gift. You can't earn it. Therefore, there's nothing you can do to break the reality of God's grace given to you by faith. And yet daily, we feel this pull to our old life, this pull towards unforgiveness, this daily battle with coveting and jealousy that makes us uncontent with our life. This desire to hoard and to build our own kingdom. These addictions and these lusts in our hearts that keep pulling us back into captivity and bondage. And yes, that chain has been broken, but friends, we still have some bonds in our life that pull us that direction. You need to understand this. Number one, the position of freedom. Number two, the fight of freedom. And friends, if you're feeling this struggle which if you're not feeling the struggle, you're not human because this is the human condition. 
to fight the struggle is a sign that you're alive. It's not to condemn you. The fact that you're dealing with things from your past and you still have issues that are not consistent with your new position, they're a sign that the life of God is inside of you because you're actually entering into the fight. Amen? The fight, the struggle, it's a sign that we're alive. And every day, there's a decision. Either we enter into that fight, either we choose to enter into it, or we don't. So number one, there's a position of freedom. What Christ has given us freely by his grace. Number two, there's a daily fight for freedom. Paul says it like this. He says in Romans 6, 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. There's a choice. There's a daily choice. I love what it says in Galatians 5, 1. It says it like this. We read this earlier. Christ has set us free. Why? For freedom. Christ gave you a new position of freedom in your life. Why? So that you could enjoy freedom from all the things that are destroying your joy, stealing your peace, robbing you of contentment, keeping you from the person that you're called to be. The beginning of your freedom from those things is what Christ gave you through grace. That's the power source. That's the position. Jesus set us free so that you could learn to live in freedom. And yet here we are stuck in the messy middle. We're stuck in this struggle, as Paul said, waging war daily against these desires, against the reality of who we are, but these desires that pull us backwards. Positionally, we are united with Christ, but practically, we are in the fight. We are in the struggle, and the struggle is real. So we're gonna close with this, quite simply. The plan for freedom. We understand this position. It was given to us as a free gift of grace. We understand there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But there's a fight. There's a daily fight because we still have these old tendencies, these pulls in our life to this old way of living. And so what's the plan how do we move forward? How do we find freedom? What's the freedom plan so that we can live in the freedom that Christ purchased for us? Well, here's what Paul begins with. He goes, the first part of the plan and where this comes from is Romans 6. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. He uses this idea, this word reign. There's a throne in your heart. There's a throne. There's a king on that throne. And yes, we love the idea of Jesus as Savior, but we have to enter into the idea of Jesus as Lord. Who will reign? That's the question. Therefore, don't let sin sit on that throne in your heart. Daily, it's a choice. He's actually telling you to make a choice. Don't let it. He says, do not let it, sin, reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. It says this, do not offer any part of yourself to sin. Daily, you have a choice. 
you have a choice. Am I going to offer myself to Jesus? Am I going to offer my obedience and my life to Christ? Or am I going to fall back into the old patterns, right? And let's just use coveting or jealousy. That's what it uses in Romans 7 as an example. Maybe you really struggle with a lack of contentment for your life. Maybe you really struggle with this idea of wanting what other people have, of living in this place of um, just misery because your life doesn't look like somebody else's. Paul says, don't offer yourself to that. So, I don't know, get off Instagram. That might help. Don't offer any part of your mind or your thoughts to that. If that's a coveting-like engine for your heart, just cut the cord, get rid of it. Maybe it's bitterness or unforgiveness, right? Maybe it's this idea that, man, you've really been hurt or wronged by somebody. Maybe... It's a moment where you say, look, I'm going to call this person. I'm going to remember that Christ forgave me, and I'm going to start the journey of forgiveness with them. I'm going to take a step that way and not let that hold me back from who God has called me to be. Could be an addiction. Could be some destructive habit in your life. Call a friend. Get into a program. Make a decision to sever that in your life, to cut that cord. Whatever it may be, whatever those things are that keep pulling you back, pulling you back into this reality of anxiety, of fear, all the things from your past life that you don't want to live in. He says, don't offer any part of yourself to that. Cut those cords. And friends, you better just wake up with some scissors in your hand because you're going to do it every day, (laughs) multiple times a day. And it's this active reality of practicing freedom, of realizing, oh man, that thought pattern's back. That habit keeps raising its head. I know I'm positionally bound to Christ. I gotta go to war with that today. So he says, don't offer any part of yourself to sin, but offer yourselves to God. And he goes, those, as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him. Offer every part of yourself to him for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under law, but under grace. How do we walk in the spirit? How do we offer ourselves to God every day? Well, let's look at this freedom plan. This is why you need a journal or something. Take a photo of this. I'm gonna go through these quickly, but just this reality of what does it look like to practice freedom, to walk in freedom? We've already talked about the first one, cut, sever the ties to your old life. Paul says it so clearly. He's like, take action, take bold, immediate action. Don't manage your sin, kill it says this in Romans 8, 13. If you want to live in freedom, he goes, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. You'll be in bondage. You'll die a slow death of coveting and jealousy and comparison or bitterness. In your soul, it will shrivel. But if by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. If you cut those cords every day by God's Spirit and prayer, ask God to help you, you will find life, abundant life and peace. Number one, sever the cords to your old life. And here's the beautiful thing. As you began to practice these things, it actually creates more of a connection to you and the Lord. This is where your willpower steps in. This is where fasting and prayer comes in. As you practice these things, you begin to experience peace. As you daily get in the word, as you daily fight your sin, you begin to experience freedom. As you daily seek God, 
Jeremiah 29, 12 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus and Matthew. Some of you don't have freedom because you're not looking for it. You haven't asked. Jesus in Matthew 7 goes, seek and you shall find. Ask and it will be given to you. So begin seeking every day and it will begin binding your life to freedom and cutting the cords from your past. Get into the word every day. Another one, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. A daily intention to set your mind on things above. Says this in Romans 8, 5 to 6. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. They are consumed with it. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Check this out. The mind set on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That's what I want. That's what I want for you is just this experience of life and peace. The fight for freedom is fought on the battlefield of our minds, friends. Number four, step. Step into the light. Step into the light. Confession. We talked about this last week. 1 John 1, 5 to 7 says this. This is the message we have heard from him. This is what Jesus told us. John is telling it to the churches. He goes, this is the message we heard from him, and we're going to tell you now. We're telling you, we're proclaiming it to you, that God is light. He's not darkness. He's light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, if we claim to be in relationship with God, while we walk in darkness, that is, Nobody knows what's going on in our life. We live hidden lives. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another because you're letting somebody else in to the real you and your real struggle and the battle you're facing every day. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Positionally, you're forgiven. You're bound to Christ. But now you're letting somebody else in and that is cutting the ties to those bondage, those areas of captivity in your heart. So step into the light. Number five, stare. And I love this one. This is maybe one of the most just powerful verses in my life. I wanna start in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Are you all with me? I know we're going through a lot of verses here, but don't miss this. Do not miss this. You all with me? Okay, great. Praise God. says this. Well, I'll start in 17. Can't miss 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there is freedom inside of you. There's freedom inside of you, and it's just a daily choice to access that freedom by setting your mind on the Lord, by coming to the Lord, by getting into his word. It says this, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Where does your transformation come from? Beholding, staring at the glory of the Lord. We're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Okay, pastor, how do I behold the Lord? I can't see him right now. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's how you do it. Look, the veil has been taken away. Now we know what God is like. Now we can look at his life through God's word. Friends, 
You have a teacher who's gonna teach you how to live, but he's found in an ancient book called the Bible. And friends, we don't read the Bible. It's a struggle for us, if we're being honest. We don't take time to stare at the wonder of who Jesus is, to behold him, his actions, to meditate, to consider them. And the pathway of freedom starts by beholding Jesus in his word. Daily, something I'll do in the mornings, and I'll just share this with you, often in the morning, I won't even say often, I'll say when it's a good day, right? I'll go to this chair in my office and I'll just sit and here's what I'll do to behold the Lord. I will picture Christ on the cross and I'll think about whatever the cords are in my life that are binding me, whatever the idols are, whatever the struggles I'm going through, whatever it is, and I'll kind of gather those up in my mind as a picture of rags, filthy rags, dirty rags, broken parts of my life, and I'll take them to the cross in my heart, in my mind. And right there at the cross is this exchange where he takes our rags and he gives us robes, his robes of righteousness through his sacrifice. That's part of what it looks like to live in the gospel every day, to behold him every day. Friends, try that. Give that a shot. Set your mind on him and what he's done for you. Number six, study. Study God's word. Get into God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says this, study to present yourself to God as one approved, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Get into God's word. Saturate your mind with God's word. And I thought about this one as we were singing earlier. I wish I added number seven. Sing. Worship. In the middle of your fight, in the middle of your warfare, in the middle when, uh, of that temptation, of that area of your life that keeps tempting you back to get back on that, that, that rat wheel, to get back in that habit, to get back in that pattern that you know you don't wanna go back to. Sing, worship, declare the name of God. Declare who God is over your life. Open your mouth. Something happens when you open your mouth. It releases something in your heart. It gets you out of your mind. Your mind can be a minefield sometimes. Something about opening your mouth engages you in the fight and it severs that from your life. Friends, freedom doesn't come in an instant. It takes a lifetime. It takes daily cutting the cords of sin by grace. It takes seeking Jesus. It takes setting your mind on things above, stepping in the light, getting accountability, finding a counselor, getting into a small group. It takes daily looking at Christ, beholding him and being transformed. It takes getting into God's word. It takes singing and worship, right? And here's the deal. These are practices that will absolutely bind us to Jesus and help us to live in all the promises that he has for us. But maybe just start with one of them. That's seven, right? That's a lot. But start with one. Get into a small group. Find a trusted friend. Call somebody. Let them know what's going on. Get up in the morning and seek God. Pick one and start with that. Begin the journey. And here's what we're going to close. We're going to close with communion, but also an opportunity. On the prayer walls, which are on the, in the back of the rooms here, you're going to find little locks. I used a lock just to illustrate this fa- the fact that, man, we, are, we have a new identity, a new union with Christ. But every single one of you, myself included, all of us, we have some area of our life that keeps us in captivity and bondage. 
I wanna encourage you to do this. There are little pieces of paper in the seat back in front of you. There are pieces of paper by the prayer walls. And I want you today to take a step. Friends, this is part of the Christian life. This is what it means to be a Christian. There's a reason three straight chapters in the middle of Romans are talking about entering into the fight, the battle of your life to find life and joy and peace in Christ. This is not fringe things. These are central to what we believe. And so you need to name something today. Write it down. That's the first step to entering the fight. It's the first step towards freedom. Name it and then go stick it in the prayer wall and grab a little lock and say, Lord, I'm just starting again today. I'm gonna lock myself to you by your grace. I'm reminded of the grace that you've given me and just grab something that's a symbol of who you are in Christ, of your new position in him. Amen? We're all gonna do this together and we're gonna end with, with prayer where we'll have some prayer teams down front in just a second. But again, the beginning of all this starts with the cross. And communion is the symbol of the cross. It's the symbol of our new position, our freedom in Christ. Because he died and rose for you. And so we're gonna take communion together. And then in just a few minutes, we're gonna give you an opportunity to come down front and pray with a prayer team. Or put something in the wall as a, as a statement, as a reminder that, man, it's time Time to go to war, time to fight that thing, time to start fighting for freedom in our own lives. Lord, today we say thank you. We ask you for a fresh wave of your grace and freedom in our lives. Give us strength for the days ahead. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you've given us the free gift of grace and a new position of forgiveness. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Let's take communion together. from God, but I'm going to invite a few members of our worship team back out, and we're just going to turn this into a house of prayer for a little while. So if you want to stay and pray, you can stay and pray. I want to encourage you to, to write something down, stick it in the prayer wall, and just take a step, enter the fight today. Grab one of those little locks to remind yourself that your identity, your position is bound to Christ. If you need prayer, our prayer teams are gonna be down front. I can invite those prayer teams to come down now and they'd love to pray with you or your family for anything. And um, if you need to head on out to the rest of your day, that's totally fine as well. You are free to go. But I'm gonna pray for us now and then we'll enter into a time of prayer. And if you need to go, you can go. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine on you and give you peace. 
And Lord, today I pray that each one of us would take a step towards freedom in our own lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.